Welcome everyone to the Grainmaker Wrestling Podcast, a Prairie Proud Wrestling Podcast covering everything from Winnipeg to worldwide. My name is Blair Pacheco. I hope you're having a great evening, a great day. Maybe it's the weekend when you're listening to this. No matter what time it is, I hope you're doing well, having just a great time. Now, we are a few short days away from what can only be described as a very monumental weekend. Uh, AEW presents All In. I wanted to take a look at the card. I wanted to talk about all of the ongoings of AEW. And there's no better person that I could ask to join me than my good friend, Jay's Retro, former guest of the show. Jay's, how are you doing? Good, man. I, I'm I'm just as excited as you are for this show. And I know we were talking a little bit. I don't know if you're going to put any of that into the show. We were talking nah. before um, of just how seemingly the, the discussion of this show has been dominated by... Um, some negative discourse about maybe this show not fitting up to the lofty expectations of some of the people that have bought tickets for it. But I think it's a card that's been super well built on paper, has a, a super hot main event. And just the idea of being able to see an AEW pay-per-view, and we were talking about this before, of you know this classic, this company that has put on classic North American wrestling pay-per-view after pay-per-view that is in the upper echelon of the quality of wrestling that's ever been produced and being able to see that in Wembley stadium in front of who knows what the number might get up to. I know it's at 81 ish thousand. Now mm-hmm. it'll be higher by the time that the show comes on Sunday. This is, and I was thinking about this earlier today, maybe not quite my peak of AEW fandom, although it, it might be with the addition of collision, which I think has been great. And they feel like they're peaking, um, you know, at this end of the summer for this big event. So I'm so excited for the show on Sunday. I'm super excited to talk to you about all these matches. So thanks for having me on. Of course. I mean, it's always, always great to have you. Like we've talked about it before. I feel like we have good back and forth when it comes to AEW and you're someone that I always like to bring on to talk about it because I mean, you're, you look at it from all angles. You're not just, you know, coming at it from, you know, one side of it you like to look at the good the bad everything you're very open-minded when it comes to it so it's a it's a no-brainer to have you back but i mean you you kind of talked about the build to this card and i mean i think we could count on one hand the amount of aew not just pay-per-views but events if you look at like the original fight for fallens and all of the the fighter fests you could probably count on one hand the amount of shows that were in the middle for the most part they deliver every time i feel the build for all in is the, is par for the course and any like if you really look into it i think that they've done even a better job of building up some of these matches and feuds than they have for previous pay-per-views because mm-hmm. we're we're recording this monday evening and you pretty much have the whole card there waiting for you you might get one or one match maybe some zero hour stuff but like previously you look at a pay-per-view and you could be four days away and only have three matches so i think he's doing something a little bit different with this one yeah and and i think the whole build stuff is i know a lot of the consternation was like and i remember talking to you about this on twitter with some other people too but there were people that were like five weeks out like end of july that were saying oh my gosh they don't have any matches announced 
And then because of that, therefore, they didn't have any build to the show, which mm -hmm. is just completely not the case. Like you don't have match announcements don't equal build. They've been telling these stories and most like it. And and I think, too, the strength of a build to a pay-per-view is based on the build of the top matches on the show. And I think there's a um, I'm not quite sure where it comes from, because tra for traditionally in the history of like modern or even older wrestling, every match on a pay-per-view does not have to have some kind of months and even weeks long story to it. That's just not how it has to be. And so I think, and we'll go through the card here, but you look at a match like MJF and Adam Cole, which if maybe four months ago, or which I guess we did talk that long ago of like, would that be the match that in my head would be the dream match to headline the biggest show they've ever done? Probably not, but it's also a, a, um, a credit to Tony Khan and MJF and Adam Cole too, but I know MJF has a lot of hand in his own creative that they have taken this match that, and they've built it over months and months and weeks and weeks to the point where it feels like one of the biggest matches that they've ever done. And that's through build and storytelling and through the matches that they've had, obviously, which is part of storytelling. And, so, so to me, the build stuff just doesn't add up. This is, this is a show that feels huge. And, and I think some of the people complaining about that, as they always do, and I say this a lot um, on, on my Twitter account, of like, it's going to be the end of the show, or it's going to be the a build is as good as how you excited you are on the day of the show. Um, hmm. Because that's ultimately what it comes. And the people complaining weeks ago about, oh, I'm not... I'm not excited for the show. I don't even remember when the date of the show is. I literally saw someone say, I didn't even remember the date of the show. And this was like five weeks ago. And I'm like, then you're fucking stupid. They've this, this, <clears throat> uh, this date was announced in April. Um, it's been something I've had marked in my calendar. And so anyway, we, we can go on and on about all the different criticisms I have for the build, including that like, you know, they have weekly television to book uh, as well, and they have to put big matches on these every mm -hmm. week. It's the very foundation of their business is what they get from these television rights. Um, but um, I think, and as we go through all these matches, there's something to be excited about in every match, and I'll nitpick some some of the build stuff, even with some of the bigger matches. But yep. overall, this is maybe, like I said, the most excited I've been for, for a show, and I think it, it certainly matches my expectations. And if it's not matching the expectations, your expectations i'm not talking about you blair i mean i mean like the people that are complaining yeah. about this it's probably because you had set some kind of unrealistic standard in your head or you had fantasy booked something mm -hmm. and tony khan isn't booking the exact fantasy booking scenario that you had because i think this is a home run card and uh can't wait to go through it here with you yeah i mean it's it I've been guilty of it before myself, you know, like you get really amped up, really pumped for a card thinking like, okay, this is going to happen. This, 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 and you leave disappointed afterwards, but it's no one's fault, but my own for getting, you know, that worked up about something, you know, years ago when WWE was the only, only card in town and you're watching those shows and you're like, okay, well I do this, you know, I would book it this way. And then they don't, you get mad, you complain online about it. You still go back the next week. I can guarantee everyone who's complaining about all out, they're still going to, or all in, they're still going to watch the shows. They're still going to tune in or go to it. And then it's still par for the course. It's just a matter of tempering those expectations a little bit and realizing you're not going to get, you know, 
like I said before, the corpse of Ultimate Warrior versus Kenny Omega, you know, <laughs> yeah. because like it seems that's what people need for it to be a blow away card. You're not going to get that, but you're going to get, you know, 11, 12 matches of incredible wrestling in Wembley Stadium. Just the visual, like, yes. look at that alone is going to be massive for AEW. Absolutely. That's a big draw of what this show is. I remember to put uh, Josh from Wrestling Brain over, I remember talking to him on Twitter before Double or Nothing 2021, I think it was, which was the first show where they were allowed to have like a sold out crowd in Daly's place again. Mm -hmm. So it was the show that had um, the Young Bucks against Moxley and Kingston on it. Yes. The main event was Omega and uh, Pac and Orange Cassidy. And that was like a show on paper that like didn't jump off at you. But a big part, and what I, what I was saying to Josh was that the biggest appeal of that show was getting to see wrestling in front of a crowd again. And you're mm -hmm. allowed, you're allowed to be excited about that. That's a big part of, mm -hmm. of the appeal of the show. And like you're saying, I just think you, and you're allowed to like, just to get back to what you're saying before, if, if a company is building to something and teasing something and then they don't deliver it, then I think you're allowed to be upset about that. But what yes. I think, what I think happened was, and I think I was mentioning this to you before we were recording is that people were getting in their head that this was going to be some kind of like forbidden door show mm -hmm. of like, well, there's going to, there's going to be an Okada singles match and an Omega singles match, which you can get an Omega singles match on an AEW pay-per-view certainly. Yeah. Or that it would have some, but this isn't, this isn't what that is. This they've never, they never advertised this as a forbidden door show nor. And I think the other thing that people had built up in their head as a possibility was something with the elite against CM Punk or, his team of some sort, mm -hmm. which I really wanted to, but ever since uh, now he has made some veiled references to it on camera <laughs> and off camera, but I, it became pretty clear after punk came back that he was feuding with Samoa Joe and Ricky Starks and that there's, there's not going to be some kind of CM Punk elite thing on this show. And so if you were being realistic about what some of the possibilities of what was going to be set up, I, I think that this is a card on paper that more than lives up to a tagline, which they're saying is the biggest show ever. Mm -hmm. But again, part of that has to do with it is literally the biggest show ever. It's going to have yeah. the largest attended crowd ever. And that's such a big part of the appeal for me is being able to see this company that I love get to have this like moment that cements them on this big stage there. It's so cool to me that AEW is going to be able to say, it's not WWE. It is AEW, this mm -hmm. challenger brand. This They are the second biggest company in the U.S. And being able to say, we ran the biggest show ever. That's a big yeah. part of the appeal to me. And that's why, to me, part of seeing, and from some of them are from actual like AEW fans of like the getting bent out of shape over uh, the card is crazy to me because I think it, it looks great on paper. And, and again seeing it in front of all in a big stadium crowd is such a big part of my anticipation for this event. Now we're recording this the Monday of the week of all in. So there is a chance something else gets announced Wednesday at dynamite. Um, but the, the, we'll kick off with what's been announced for zero hours so far. And they usually like to add in a few matches like the day of, you know, and I like that. I, I like, you know, just to announce it two hours before, you know, because I'm going to tune into zero hour as it is. I don't need a build for those matches. Just throw out a good wrestling match, but to kick it off with Aussie open against MJF and Adam Cole. I mean, obviously you're going to get some more build towards the main event with this match. 
but you're also getting MGF and Adam Cole against Aussie Open. And Aussie Open is one of the best tag teams out there today. Every match they're they're in, they deliver. They're they're a must-see tag team when it, for me. The first time I ever watched them was against the Velocities. Uh, it was a match down in Australia, and it was five stars. One of the best matches I've ever seen. And to see the way they've grown over the years, what they've been able to do in New Japan, and even making that transition to AEW, like to me, they come across as a huge deal. So like this match, not tons of build to it, but I don't need a lot for this one because it's just going to be a great wrestling match. Yeah, and I even, I mean, they have done some build to it too, right? And, mm-hmm. and Aussie Open is uh, going against the Hardys on Dynamite this week. I assume that's another going to be another win for them. They had a win on Rampage last week. So they've been doing, a, I think, a decent job for people that wouldn't have known about Aussie Open much before this of like giving them a few wins on TV and building them up. To me, this feels huge that they're, and I think it's a, a brilliant marketing strategy on their on their point to give such a big match away on YouTube for free on the zero hour. And then if you're on the fence about buying the show and the time of day maybe is, is a detriment to whatever their final number of buys that they get. But if you want to check this out for free and you're watching this match, which they have built on TV and and is includes two of their biggest stars, this is your uh, gateway point into seeing what does Wembley stadium look like with those 80,000 plus people and so to me, it's like it's a brilliant move for them to put this big match, probably the biggest match they've ever done on a buy-in show, and putting it here before this show so that people can see for free what does the stadium look like. And then I assume, I mean, I'm actually hoping for MJF and Adam Cole to just win and stay a babyface team for a little bit longer even after the show. But mm-hmm. I'm assuming there's going to be some kind of angle that will then continue a very last-minute build to the main event. So I'm... I'm curious what, how you think this is going to, what the result of this match is going to be. But there's, you know, in my head, countless uh, interesting finishes and spots and directions that they can go. Are, are you expecting an Aussie Open win and it to be like a clash of Cole and MJF heading into the main event? Or what are you thinking? Like, I don't like the idea of taking the Ring of Honor titles off of Aussie Open just yet, because I still think there's so much more they can do with them. But with that being said, like if they were to continue this into a feud where Aussie Open can get the titles back afterwards, sure, I'm into it. But like in my head beforehand, I'm all, I'm thinking there's you know the standard miscommunication causing part pardon me miscommunication causing a breakdown of MJF Adam Cole. Excuse me, <laughs> I'm burping up the uh, Corona Sunbrew I'm having right now. A little miscommunication leading to them losing. That's how I've envisioned it in my head. But what I like about the booking with AEW is you can think that this is the way that they're going to go and be like dead set. Like, no, this is the only way. This is how it has to be. And then they'll throw something out there and be like, this makes all the sense in the world. Mm -hmm. And with this match, because there's those different avenues, like, yeah, you could have Aussie open retain. You could have Cole and MJF win continue on their you know little festival of friendship they're doing even after all in like i would be just as cool with that as i would if there's you know you know a clash of the two from coming out of that match mm-hmm. and let's maybe we can just combine this with talking about mjf and cole too mm-hmm. since that's the the 
the other or the main event match. I don't think there isn't another zero hour match announced up to this point. I don't think nothing so far. Yeah. So anyway, that's part of the and one of my apprehensions about this story when they started it was that it just seemed obvious, knowing what we know about MJF's history, that this was just going to be another example of him betraying a friend. He's done it a million times mm-hmm. with Cody Rhodes, Wardlow, Chris Jericho. Um, feel like I'm missing another one, but where this and it's, it's not that it's overwrought at this point, but they've done it before. Oh, when uh, also he, you know, he fooled CM Punk too in the build, build up to their uh, dog collar match too, mm-hmm. where he helped you know told this heart wrenching story and he he went to that again in, in build up to this match. So part of my apprehension was, are they just going to do this again and then MJF is going to turn on him and Adam Cole is going to look like the stupid babyface for believing him? But one of the brilliant things about this is that the forming of the friendship between these two guys on TV, it feels super genuine now in, in a way yeah. that I don't think, you know, probably most people at the beginning were like, well, MJF is going to turn on him, turn on him at the end. And then he's the devil, blah, blah, blah. But now I feel like there's more momentum in terms of potentially Cole being the one to turn on him and, and the inclusion of the kingdom and Roderick strong in part mm-hmm. of this. It feels like they're potentially lining up this stable to align with Cole. Um, but having said that part of the brilliance of this is I'm not sure what the direction it'll be in my, if I were fantasy booking this, I would want them to, you know, stay baby, just have a straight baby face versus baby face match at the end, shake hands at the end, have CM Punk come out and say, I'm coming for you, MJF on the real world champion. And that's your match for all out and try Mm -hmm. to use this, you know, this is a hot act that they have these two together. There was so much momentum behind that tag team title match that they had on collision with FTR weeks ago, that part of my initial thought when they announced this uh, zero hour match was that they kind of recognized that oh, maybe we should have put the tag titles on them. And now they'll put the ring of honor tag titles on them instead. So even as I'm talking this stuff out, you can envision all these different scenarios and directions that they could go in. Ultimately, I think what's best for AEW and, and what has made me more interested, I think, in MJF than I ever have before is seeing him as full-fledged top baby face and I think giving him a run for that I was hoping they were going to do that back in full gear in November with when he won the title from Mox and then they kept him heel even though they were teasing him going baby face before them but whether that's keeping MJF and Adam Cole together as a team and they're both baby faces or if it's Cole turning on MJF and MJF is stays the baby face that's what I'm I'm hoping it ends up being that and not another instance of uh, MJF was a heel the whole time yeah. and blah, blah, blah. Because I think that would take his character in a new, more interesting direction. And the fans are just so behind him as this babyface act. And we've been waiting all these years to cheer for a guy who's very clearly charming and charismatic and waiting for his, you know, like when Rock turned babyface from being a heel and people were just wanting to cheer him for so long. It's like, just let us cheer for you for more than a month well it's funny because earlier like when mjf did win the title you know you were hearing people say like okay well they need a top baby face now to challenge him you know where's the top baby face who's going to step into that role and you know be the you know the yin to his yang and it's kind of nice seeing instead of needing a top baby face to face off with mjf yes. mjf has become that top baby face that's right. So ha- having that as a dynamic changes everything because that's what I want to see now. Run with that because it has legs. You can have MJF as your top babyface 
the fans hate punk right now. So yes. why would you not want to run MJF versus punk? Like a complete change of the dynamic as last yes. year. That's my, that's what I want so bad. I think that's yeah. the, other than doing the elite punk program, which I think would be red hot. I think the biggest thing that they can do is a babyface MJF against a heel CM Punk. The, there's going to be fans that cheer for CM Punk no matter what, just because yeah. he's a huge star and you know they, they won't want to play along with booing him or whatever. But people, even Punk fans are like, I really want to see this guy as a heel. Like He hasn't done it in AEW yet, and I want to see that part of him as a performer. And so to me, CM Punk embracing what just feels natural now, which is some, to be an absolute heel against now, you know, this huge baby face in MJF, it's real world's champion versus the actual world champion. That to me is the biggest match they can do. My, my, I don't think they're, I, I mean, it seems obvious they're going to go to it eventually. Would they go to it in Chicago the next week at all out yeah. on that week, the turnaround build? That's where I'm kind of apprehensive about it. It might be just easier to have Adam Cole turn heel on MJF and then you can do the rematch in Chicago a week later. But I think even if they don't go to it right away, maybe it's full gear or whatever, but the most interesting thing they can do, and I think maybe the, I think maybe we brought this up the last time I talked to you, it's Kenny and Hangman and Punk and MJF that I think have been the best told stories in the history of AEW. And the mm -hmm. idea that we're going to get potentially the sequel to that, but with those roles reversed takes that second chapter of that story in, I think a, a, a super creative and interesting direction. And if you remember, and if they did go to this to all out, or maybe they, a bit of symmetry, they could end all out with this, but I know there's people that say are saying online, seen a little bit of it anyway, of, well, you couldn't have a heel punk against a babyface MJF in Chicago. The last time that they were in Chicago was at the end of All Out in last year where an MJF had returned and Punk was the champion after beating Moxley and the crowd was seemingly the way it was coming off on TV was they were cheer a lot of people cheering for MJF and I know it was a returning superstar so that's mm -hmm. built into it but the, to me that would be something I wouldn't even think about and whatever the crowd's going to be hot no matter what it, the crowd reaction in Chicago just you know, drink it in. And then the next week forward, you know, punk's going to be a heel in most cities anyway. So anyway, I know I'm long-winded here, here oh, but I, I am 100% with you. That to me, MJF as a baby face, this, the creative force and the center of dynamite against uh, a heel CM Punk, who's been, you know, the center of collision. That to me is the biggest story that they can do. And damn, I hope I hope they do it. They're teasing it. So that that's one to get back to what we were talking about before. They're teasing that. Like by having CM Punk bring this title back and, and mentioning it, mm -hmm. like they're teasing this match. So that's something I feel like they have to deliver at some point, whether it's at all out or sometime later uh, this year. And I like that you had MJF at collision, you know, working the tag match against FTR. Punk is there as well, but you didn't have any discourse between Punk and MJF through any of it, you know? It's like, I like that they didn't touch on that, but because you're, you're kind of left wondering, like, well, why not? Why isn't he saying anything, you know? So, like, you have, end of the show, CM Punk come out there and say something, and, like, you never acknowledged me before. I'm right here, bitch. Yeah. Let's, let's get this going, you know? Like, I'm into That's it. That to me would be the perfect way to end the pay-per-view. Yeah. Adam Cole and MJF shake hands. It was a babyface match. They're still friends. You can still now take 
continue this super hot act that you have. It's been this ratings draw for you and they can continue on as friends. But CM Punk comes out and says, you know, whatever he's going to say, I'm the real world champion. You never beat me. You're holding the title. I never lost. Last time I, w- I saw you, you were on the ramp and I was holding the belt in the air. Let's do this in the same city that that happened in next week. And there's your main event for all out. Yeah. And I, I won't be disappointed if that doesn't happen. I won't be one of these British Wembley attendees that uh, um, is pissing their pants or whatever. But that, that to me would be a, a great hook for uh, for All Out the next week. And they've mm-hmm. been building that story with Punk. You know, the first time he came on screen, he was holding that belt in that red bag. And it just seems like that's that's going to be that that could be the creative peak of this kind of. Uh, his, this chapter in AEW's history is having that rematch, that feud again. I'll, I'll mention this one thing, and then we'll we'll keep going with the rest of the card. But you remember when the summer of Punk in WWE when he left and came back after Cena had won the title, and they you know did the title hold off, you know where Cena held it up, Punk went a little bit higher. I'm envisioning that in my head in the middle of Wembley Stadium, and I think it would be just a perfect callback to like another summer of Punk. But brilliant, I love it. So also, you know, we talked about the build to pay-per-views for anyone complaining about the build to all in, just wait for all out because you have two matches <laughs> yeah. announced and it's in a, it's in 10 days. So. Yeah. Interesting that you don't have any people from Chicago that are attending that uh, pissing and shitting their pants about uh, lack of build for all out. It seems like uh, those people are smart enough to know that that show is going to be fantastic. And uh, we only have two matches so far, but, I think maybe they are smart enough to realize that, uh, yeah, they're not going to announce matches to a show that there's obviously going to be finishes and angles on all in. They're going to build to all out. So anyway, uh, shout out to all the Chicago fans that are uh, smart and realize that complaining (laughs) about uh, only two matches being announced for all out would be uh, really stupid. So shout out to them. Um, One of the matches I am very hyped up for, I'm sure you are as well as FTR defending the tag titles against the Young Bucks. Now, I mean, everyone knows I am a Young Bucks fan. They are one of my favorite teams. I also love FTR. Seeing these two teams in the ring together, this match is going to blow me away. Like, they did it before in their previous two matches. I have no doubt that this match will be just as, if not better than those. I mean, all... All things considered, are you happy with the build for this so far? What would you like to see come out of this? What are your overall thoughts on it? This is the biggest tag match they can do, right? Like mm-hmm. they, there's no bigger tag match that they can do than this. And I'm with you. It's going to it'll be better than their other two. The first one was in front of almost no fans, right? Or a very limited attendance in Daily Place. The second one was a television yes. main event. Uh so it that has just inherent restrictions in it. This to me when you have a match on a show that has the chance to legitimately be the best tag team match of all time, and maybe it won't be that, and it doesn't have to, it won't be a disappointment, disappointment oh. if it isn't, but you can legitimately say this could be the best tag team match ever. Arguably the two best tag teams of all time are, are, are going against each other. This is, this, this is a, a dream match to me to have this, third match in a trilogy and thankfully it's happening i know we were talking a bit on friday last week when the news about cash wheeler came out and being like oh man this this would be a pretty big blow to the card if this doesn't happen seems like it's going ahead just fine 
And the build, there hasn't been much, but they've had, you know, their brief, there's a video package on collision. They've had a couple of face-offs in the ring. Um, they're going to have a sit-down interview on Dynamite this week. This this is the type of match that you don't need a ton of build for. It sells itself. Every, this is all about who's the best tag team mm-hmm. now, potentially of all time. And you know the match is going to be fantastic. I think it'll be the match, best match they've ever had together. And for the people that were disappointed that there's no elite versus punk camp type of thing going on, this is take this. This is like yeah, uh, this is pretty close to it. Um, yeah. There is real the legitimate real life heat between these guys. Both teams, I think, actually think they're the best team ever, and both have a legitimate claim to it. This feels like an, an enormous match to me. I'm super excited for it, and I. It'll probably be the best match of the night. There's a couple that I think you could consider in the running for that, but I think it'll be a great match. The build has been exactly what it would need to be, and I'm super excited for it. It was a match I didn't think was going to happen, in part because of the the backstage whatever, but mm-hmm. we're getting it. This is this is a dream match to me, and I'm I think this is the type of thing that puts a rubber stamp on this card and puts it in a position where you could say, yeah, this this has a chance to be the best show ever because there's a match like this on it. This is the epitome of a match that doesn't need tons of build for it, where it's just you have two of the best teams. They're going to go out there and have a wrestling match. You don't need all the the backstage things, you know, the vignettes and all that. It's who's the best tag team. You have both teams clamoring for it, saying we are, no, we are, we're the champs, yada, yada, yada. We're going to go out there and prove it. That's all you need with some matches. I don't need the long, drawn-out stories. Just go out there and wrestle because – 99% 99% of the time, especially with AEW, the the wrestlers that are involved in matches will just go out there and deliver. So to not have a, a ton of backstory, that's fine. Plus, this one already has so much history built into that's right. it that you could just announce it two days before and be like, yeah, it makes sense. So absolutely. And I'm not, and I know some people will you know, Dave Meltzer, who I I like a lot and listen to his stuff or Wade Keller will be like, Oh, well, they haven't told this story enough. Or what if some hypothetical casual fan is watching and tuning into AEW for the first time and doesn't know the history between these two. And when I see that stuff, I'm just like, why do you give a shit? Like, and you're creating these people that might not actually exist, at least in the specific ways that you're designing them. And like, I know what the history of the Young Bucks and FTR is. I know their histories and other tag matches and all of that is built into this who is the best team ever story. And so I don't need them to spell it out for me. I know the history. I know that I'm personally excited for it. And like you say, the build is just this. This is a match that actually just sells itself. Before we move on to the next one, Mm -hmm. what's your prediction for the winner here? You got the Bucks or you got FTR? Like... I I badly want the Young Bucks to win, but I also feel like the Bucks had got a big win on, you know, full gear a few years back. It yeah. might be time for FTR to get that win back on a big yeah. scale. No matter who wins, I'm going to be happy with the match. It's just, yeah. that's all I want is a good match, you know, like continue the story more down the road, have some more matches. The one thing I like is both these teams have been there, you know, Bucks since the beginning, FTR since 2021. This is only the third match we've seen of them against each other. So, I mean, mm. it's not like you're getting eight matches of these guys throughout a year. So, each time they do step into the ring together, it feels special. And that's, that's what right. I really like about it. 
And the last one was, I think, April of last year. So we're, we're going on over a year since the last one. I, I appreciate that kind of discipline that Tony Khan has um, to not go to this well, even though it's something that they could have gone to a bunch. I will say uh, I've got 40. I can win 40 American dollars if the Young Bucks win. So hmm. that's where my allegiances are. I have bet $25 on the Bucks to win. So let's go Young Bucks. Win this match. <laughs> I do appreciate some of the people who go like, no pun intended, but like all in with the like pro young bucks, pro FTR. Like, uh, uh, some of it can be very entertaining. I stay away from it because I I have no horse in the race. I just want to see good wrestling matches. But I will always laugh when I see someone throw a, like a good young bucks tweet. So you are allowed to like both teams. Yeah. Uh, that that is uh, legally allowed. You are also allowed to like. CM Punk and like Hangman Page and Kenny Omega. Those things are allowed. That's the camp that I'm in. I like them all. Uh, so you are allowed to like both. That mm-hmm. is, you're allowed, Blair. That's I fun. do enjoy watching CM Punk matches. I enjoy watching Hangman Page matches. I will enjoy watching their matches, whether it's on the same card, different cards, maybe even together. I just want yeah. to see good wrestling. So, you know, I can get past a lot of the backstage issues and that just go put on a good fucking program you know yeah so uh, you've got young bucks i think we both want them to win um the women's world title match i mean i was not expecting a fatal four-way match or a four-way match i'm not a huge fan of multi-person matches for championships especially on a scale like this so for me i'm not hugely into it because i would have i'd much rather see you know two matches instead um having a four-way match it kind of feels like a cop-out just to get more people on the show which understandably biggest show of the year but when you look at hikaru shida versus tony storm versus soraya versus Britt baker i mean they've done you know they've built it up now it's just can they deliver all four of them in the ring together right I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm with you, everything that you said. We had that same complaint when we were talking about the Double or Nothing main event, which was yeah. the MJF, Jungle Boy, Sammy Guevara, Darby Allen. It just feels like here's a way to get a few extra people on the card instead of having a one-on-one. And this is a match I, I, I don't really have any interest in this match, to be honest with you. This will be one where I'm probably going to the fridge to grab another beer or grab a snack or whatever. But I, I, this is one where I think the injury bug has caught AEW in a couple of key spots here. One is with Jamie Hayter, mm-hmm. who I think they were pretty clearly setting up or potentially anyway to get her title back. You know, Tony Storm beat her in a couple of minutes at double or nothing. I think they were hoping that she would be recovered from her injury and be on this card and then, you know, win her title back in her home country. And that would have been, and those two have now, well, the match they had at full gear last year was incredible. The match they had at double or nothing was disappointed. Mm-hmm. Disappointed. A disappointment because of the limitations but a jamie hater winning her title back against tony storm in a one-on-one match that would that's something that i would like to see this four-way that you know is just whatever uh i don't have a ton of interest in it i bet five bucks on Britt baker but other than that <laughs> i don't really care but again to get back to like they had that crowning you know if they had done hikaru shida winning against tony storm like she did on that dynamite 200 three or four weeks ago that would be a match that I'd probably be more interested in than this four way. But that also gets back to those complaints about, you know, they have to do big matches and title changes and main events on weekly television. They have five hours of television to book every Mm -hmm. week. 
They can't just save everything for something that's six weeks ahead um, on August 27th or whatever. So, you know, that's another thing to keep in mind when you, you know, you hear or you make these complaints about build. It's like, well, they also, they have big TV main events and other things that they have to build to. But anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm in your camp. This match doesn't really do anything for me, um, which is unfortunate. Uh, but I think this is one where, Jamie Hayter would have pretty clearly had a bigger role in this show if, and would have been part of this in some way um, had she been healthy. Yeah. Like I know a few people have talked about, you know, okay, maybe this is, you know, Brit's chance, chance to win the title back, but I almost feel like you have to keep it on Sheeta just to cement her like championship reign uh, to have her be a transitional champion of only four weeks. That does her no favors, especially considering, Towards the end of her reign, I mean, it was kind of you know, a little lackluster. People were really wanting Britt to finally win and get the title. So, I mean, for her to have that opportunity now in front of fans, I mean, you have to let her take the ball and run with it instead of taking the title off for right away. It would do her no favors at all. I can see that point. I think her just winning it has done her a little bit. Like, mm-hmm. in, like she, part of because she was you know, in obscurity a little bit and that this, you know, giving her this three or four week run is at least bringing her back into the limelight a little bit. Um, I, I would put it on Brit on, and not just yeah. because I have money on it. Uh, <laughs> that's part of it. Yeah. But um, I think the best long-term story that, and they're going to do it at some point with the women's division is Brit and Jamie and eventually leading to a match between the two. So I think it would be really interesting if Brit could kind of sneak a win here and Britt is also a much more natural heel. Uh, and the, she's been babyface in part because Jamie Hayter was, is so over that she went babyface. And then by association, Britt Baker had to be because they're, they're mm-hmm. teammates. But I think it would be a really good story if Baker could kind of sneak a, a win here. Um, she's the champ, have some kind of longer term story where she's turning heel a little bit. And then when Jamie Hayter comes back, the natural match is like, hey, I, I mean... I, I should have a shot here. I, I defended it while I was injured, and now my best friend has the belt. Like I think that's that to me would be the best story. Now they they don't have to put the belt on Britt Baker here to tell that story, um, but again, I would win twenty five dollars if that's the case. So that is really uh, what I want. I feel like with this match, you could almost run something like, you know, Britt having the win, you know, there for her. Sheeta ending up getting it instead you know, pinning whomever and then running Brit and Sheeta at all out a week later in a singles match doing the title switch there. You could get away with something like that as well, like building that towards all out, because as we talked about before, there's going to be build towards all out on this card. So I think after Sunday, you will see a lot of the matches kind of take form. So that could that's be true too. I think that's part of the, and to me, I, I, maybe I mentioned this before we started recording part of the appeal to me about these two shows is that I'm viewing them as like a WrestleMania weekend where it's a two night mm-hmm. event that's happening over the course of two weekends. And is from a booking standpoint, is it ideal? No. And I think six, the six pay-per-views that they have now is the perfect amount. They just should be spaced out every two months instead yeah. of having these two that are back to back. Probably just a, an issue of like when they could actually book Wembley stadium. But I think, you know, in terms of this match and other matches too, part of the appeal of having all out the week after is that it really does put in question the results of some of these matches because having that next pay-per-view a week later where 
they could either put things back to as they were or even take it in a new direction makes you wonder like in a match like this really any four of the the wrestlers in this match could win because you could have some kind of finish that then leads into all out. And so mm-hmm. I think part of the appeal of this show to me, frankly, is it almost feels better as like a combined or bigger as a combined show with next week, but it also calls into question some of the finishes, which also makes it harder to bet on for someone like me who likes betting on <laughs> these, but it, it does give an unpredictable kind of feel to some of these matches, which I appreciate. Now, in a match that I never imagined I would be as hyped up for as I am, a tag team coffin match between Darby and Sting against Mogul Embassy, Swerve Strickland, and AR Fox. The build for this, I am so into this. Having Sting and Darby show up at AR Fox's school unannounced to beat him down, just this small little indie show. Yes. And all of a sudden, Sting is walking out there. Like, it was so incredible cool. Job. Yeah. It was I so cool. That. And what mm-hmm. I thought was interesting is that some of the people complaining about the build to this show were the same people that uh, complimented that angle that they did at Nick Wayne's school where they came and bloodied him up um, uh, or his dad's school. And then, so that, that, and that was one of the great angles in dynamite history. And Mm -hmm. then they had sting return the next week as like, all right, I'm back. I'm helping you guys. And then people were complaining about the build. It's like, they just did this great home invasion at this wrestling school angle. As you were saying last weekend, sting shows up at this random indie show. Sting is so fucking cool. He's so so awesome. And if I can brag, for a second that match i went to the dynamite in hamilton and the main event of that was darby and sting against uh, jericho and sammy guevara and it spilled all over the arena sting is a fucking madman like i he took this an irish whip into uh the uh the barricade on the outside and it was like the stiffest thing i'd ever seen he legit took this like in his ribs in his back he was down on the ground he ends up biting his lip on the ladder splash at the end. I thought he was going to die. Uh, I, This guy is a madman, the things that he's still doing at this age. And like this, this match has not only been built well through these angles that we talked about. These Wembley Stadium attendees, you're getting to see Sting mm-hmm. live. This guy has killed it in every single AEW match that he's done for the most part. This is one of the match, one of as you said, one of the matches I'm most looking forward to. This is going to deliver. There's there's a zero percent chance in my mind that this it's 100 percent going to deliver. There there's no way it's not going to. Um, And I'm still someone who's cherishing. I I know there were rumors months ago maybe this would be Sting's retirement match because it's Wembley and when would there ever be anything bigger than this? His contract's coming up I think at the end of this year, November December whatever. I am cherishing. I'm glad that this isn't a retirement match. I want to sing, see more staying. Yeah. This is like, all, all of his matches feel special. This is a special match. I fully expected this to be Nick Wayne and Darby against AR Fox and Swerve. And that thought, okay, maybe a six man, you know, a trios tag match, but to have it being sting and Darby, those two alone, like to have this for sting a huge moment for him but then also for swerve and ar fox because i mean ar fox up to this point i mean he was he was working the indies running his school he was never getting that break until AEW. now for him to be you know you look back in a year ago and he's working just these small shows 
And now yeah. all of a sudden he's going to be in one of the biggest matches that's going to take place at all in, in Wembley. That is an incredible achievement for both of them. And I mean, Swerve Strickland, the past five, six months has been phenomenal. The matches he's been a part of have been great. And I can't think of a better spot for him to have like a big superstar entrance than Wembley, whether it's having someone, you know, have whoever performs his theme music, wrapping him out to stage or what, but like, yeah, this has star written all over it for him. Oh yeah. I, I'm, I think we talked about this last time, but I'm a huge fan of Swerve. He's jacked now. He's put on weight and muscle. He looks like a star to go with just his overall swagger. He delivers too. And I, I know there was a lot of momentum behind him, maybe beating Orange Cassidy for the international title mm-hmm. when they did that match a month or and a half ago or whenever it was. Um, but this, this is a guy that they very clearly see as a future star. Some of his, you know, bouncing between these different factions and adding members and getting rid of some has been a little bit messy. And, and I was really hoping they would just keep him and Keith Lee together um, as a heel team uh, long-term instead of breaking them up. Um, but I think he's in a great spot now. I, the booking of putting AR Fox with him is great. I love Prince Nana. He's fucking hilarious. <laughs> And like, it feels like now this is a great, like you said, this is a great spot for him. They're going to lose the match. Obviously sting and yeah. sting is undefeated. They're going to win. It's Wembley stadium. It's a coffin match. The, the outcome of this is I think pretty obvious, but it's a great spot for them. Swerve is a future star. And like you said, I feel great for a guy like AR Fox. Who's just, and you've, you have these guys on your podcast all the time and just people grinding it on the Indies and just hoping for that big break. And oh, I just need this opportunity, and then the, I'll show them what I can actually do. A- AR Fox wrestling in front of eighty thousand people. How can you not feel great for that yeah. guy for as many years as he's put into this business, and him passing it on through the training and working all these indie shows, and now it's eighty thousand people against Sting in Wembley Stadium. That's pretty sweet. You had mentioned, you know, the thought that it could be Sting's retirement match, and. The more I think about it, like people always say, okay, you know, his match last match should be against Darby, you know, like Sting and Darby one on one. And I I almost don't want to see those two ever face off one on one. I want nope. them if you know Sting has to have a last match, I want it almost to be like them challenging someone and it's yes, you know, they lose, Sting has to retire, you know, because like you want to get the crowd fully invested. There you go, because a lot of people are going to think that he's not going to lose. And then when they do, that will tug on all of the heartstrings. Yeah. That's I'm totally in sync with you on that. I don't yeah. want to see staying against Darby. He he's no. talked. There were a couple feature stories. One came out earlier this year, or maybe they were both from earlier this year. I think it was paste magazine wrote a profile on staying. He essentially said that I'm never going to not team with Darby or uh, I'm essentially what he said was, I'm not having a singles match in AEW. And so I don't even think it's going to happen because Sting doesn't want it to happen. But I don't want to see them wrestle either. Where's the, where's the heat going to come from? Like, yeah. I, I don't I don't want to see some kind of angle where one turns on the other. That would be no. fucking terrible. Like, these guys are father and son. They're, they're best friends. It, it, there's, you know, a mentor, a, a legend in Sting, and a guy that is, like, you know, the next generation. Like, I don't want to see them break up. I want to see them you know, have these crazy matches and my, I would love for them to do a tag title run or a trios title run and do
do something like you say, like Ric Flair did, where we'll win the titles, and then if I ever lose the titles, then that's that'll be my retirement match. That yeah. I would love to see something like that. I don't want to. I want to see these guys team up. I don't want. I don't want to see them fight. One of the worst things to ever happen coming out of WWE New York is the fantasy booking being just so off the wall that be like, no, it has to be these two, and it's going to be so and so turning on so and so, and that's how you have to do the retirement match. It's like it doesn't have to be like that. And I think slowly we're learning more and more that it's okay just to have like normal booking. Yes. So, <laughs> and keep it simple. Right? Yes. Keep it simple. That's all you need. Um, We kind of touched on it a little bit through just through talking, but we have the golden elite Kota Ibushi, Kenny Omega, Adam page facing off against Kanosuke Takeshita and bullet club gold. Has there been a team as entertaining as Bullet Club Gold in the short time that Collision has been around? Because they are must-see for me right now. Yeah, absolutely. It, it shows you the benefit of having a show like that. And I've loved Collision. I think it's been such a solid to excellent pro wrestling uh, program every single week. But it shows you the benefit of having those two extra hours and having the you know, the different tone and pacing of a show like that, where Bullet Club Gold has had, I think anyway, pretty much every week in the show's existence, a chance to either promo or have a match, or as was the case last Saturday, both. And Jay White did such a great job of putting all the pieces of this story together in that promo. It was only about two minutes long on Collision this past week and talking a little bit about the history of all these people taking some jabs at these guys. And I thought it was like just a home run build promo of leading into a match. And and again, like I, I understand Wembley Stadium attendees having an issue with not having a Kenny Omega match, but we're probably going to get it in Chicago. So I don't know. Sucks to be you for going, I guess. But as a, as a fan who's watching both of these shows from my living room and viewing them almost as this combined big pinnacle of AEW, Give me Kenny Omega teaming up with Hangman Page, which the history there is maybe the thing I'm most emotionally attached to as an AEW fan, with maybe the story before AEW's existence that I was most attached to, which is this history that he has with Kodo Bushi. Mm-hmm. Give, me a, give me those three guys teaming up together and then give me a Kenny Omega match in Chicago. That's, that's an ideal scenario for me. And like you said, Bullet Club Gold are just on fire because of the spotlight that they've gotten on Collision. Um, Takeshita, and I can speak to this. I know there's been some complaining about his booking online too, from seeing him in Hamilton at Dynamite. And of course, a big part of that was his association with Don Callis. But that's why you have heel managers that can get mm-hmm. heat. Takeshita is over as a heel, and maybe he should be wrestling a little bit more. But I, in the same way that we're saying that about AR Fox, different circumstances, but I feel great for him to be like, here's your moment, big match, big stars let's see um, on, on this big stage. So I, I love this match. The, the, the video package, <laughs> the sit down interview with JR was hilarious. I thought on <laughs> Wednesday, it was not as, I didn't think that was a strong angle. And mm-hmm. usually those sit downs are, it was two JR's reactions. I mean, I, I was pretty stoned when I was watching it. So I, I thought it was like hilarious, yeah. uh, but, but JR's reaction shots to everything and, you know, hangman cutting that page outside of a hospital that was very clearly not a hospital. It was just like this, this could be better, mm-hmm. but 
but as so you can quibble about that particular angle i think and the build to it but i also know all the built-in history that's connecting all six of these guys in these various ways and i also know that you show me that match graphic on twitter as i'm scrolling through i'm going to say holy shit let's go like so i'm i'm very satisfied that this is what these guys are doing i'm glad kotobushi's having a second match he's getting a chance to maybe he didn't look great at, at blood and guts um but give me kotobushi and AEW all day give me this is a big match and it's it's a way to get a, a, a bunch of guys on the show that deserve a spot. It's not an Omega one-on-one -on -one match. Sorry, sorry, Brits. Uh, but um, I think this this feels like a big, big match to me. Like if you look at it, just look at the six wrestlers alone. You have Kota Bushi, Adam Page, Kenny Omega, Konosuke Takeshita, Jay White, and Juice Robinson. Just look at the wrestlers in that match. How can you be disappointed with that? Because all of them have the past year done an incredible job. Like the fact that when Juice Robinson first signed and everyone's like, oh, okay, great. It's Juice Robinson. And then mm -hmm. now he like, like yeah, I said, he's musty now. TV. So yeah. he's earned, he's earned the spot. Yeah, he's got super over and i think he's helped jay white too and jay white's a main event guy and i there were some complaints about oh you pair him with juice who's been kind of defined down it's like no juice has like raised his game and now they're this hot heel act together all these guys deserve this spot i love that this match is happening and again we'll see what i'm interested in the finish too i i i could see it going a couple of different ways maybe they wouldn't want you know homegrown guys like omega and hangman to lose on such a big stage but you also this is where that unpredictability thing that i mentioned before comes in of like well i'm, I'm kind of assuming we'll get omega and Takeshita one-on-one -on -one at all out mm -hmm. and if that's the case then doesn't it make more sense for bullet club gold and Takeshita to get the win here and then or however you want to do it so again an, an unpredictable finish i think i don't think that's maybe the general perception but that all in question or the all out question mark of the next weekend after is making me wonder what, what direction do they actually go here? Yeah. I mean, just throwing this out there right now, but like with all out a week away, uh, an Adam page versus Jay white singles match. Seminar oh yes. Top there we go. So, you know, that hadn't even crossed my mind. Just and, thought of that now. So, but I, mean, I love it. Please. <laughs> um, the stadium stampede match, I was not expecting this at all. I mean, I did think we were going to get some sort of multi-man match, but I figured it was going to be BCC versus like the best friends or, you know, two of the best friends and Eddie Kingston. But I mean, mm -hmm. to have a six versus six stadium stampede where the action is going to be all over the place, like it'll be a very cool visual. I'm just like, how is this actually going to be like logistically? How is this going to work? Because uh, yeah. there's a lot of moving parts to this one. I'm curious about that too. I'm, is this going to be like a full cinematic thing? Or remember at the second time they did it, or they did like some of it was filmed and then the finish was in the ring or something yes. like that. So I, I wonder if they might do that again. To me, the big, not the star power that's involved in this is the most, uh, the biggest draw for me. But also, who are the mystery guys? And mm -hmm. I, I hope they keep it. I don't, I don't want them to announce. And I want to be surprised on the day. I want to watch the show and have 
is it Chris Hero? Is it Zack Saber? Is it Santana and Ortiz? There's there's a bunch of different homicide. I think is another name I've seen bandied about. There's a, a bunch of fun possibilities for those three spots, and I I love that there's I love mystery partner stuff, and I mm-hmm. I'd like that they do it every once in a while. They don't do it a lot, um, and so it feels like a big deal when they do stuff like this. So that the biggest draw of this match is who who's going to be teaming with with them. I know there was some thought that maybe uh, I. I assume this too, that they might do Moxley and Orange Cassidy because they had been setting that up. Yeah. That's another one I could see maybe in Chicago the next week, which which would be awesome. Before he left for G1, we had the Eddie Kingston Moxley kind of like, you know, Kingston, you know, coming to Moxley's defense in matches or not putting the finishing touches on him. And it's like you have all that built in history of Moxley and Kingston that you can go to, which I, I I'm sure they'll go to it at some point, whether mm-hmm. it's all out or grand slam or sometime later too. So you have all these connective tissues in this story with the mystery partner element and that, you know, you're going to see great brawling with all these guys in the town in the ring. So it's really, you put it all together. It's something I'm super excited about. Yeah. Like you mentioned the different angle, like different ways this can go. And the same thing with like the, the six man match with the golden elite earlier. I mean, like the history that's in there because you have former bullet club members on, you know, the golden elite side, you know, then you have the history between Kenny and Jay white, you know, how that all came to be with the, with the bullet club, you have Coda and Kenny, and then, you know, Coda and everybody else. Um, with this stadium stampede match, the options for those mystery people, they really are endless because I mean, we don't know how close Brian Danielson is to return. Oh yeah. That is another one. That's a possibility as well. And then also we saw, you know, the, the fallout of the Jericho appreciation society. Well, what about Daniel Mm. Garcia? He's someone else that could be tied in there. So like in my head, I have a vision that, you know, like they announced one of the people the second one is going to be Brian Danielson. And then all of a sudden he introduces Daniel Garcia to yeah. it. Because it like, cause that could be his, this was like the faction that he could have been in if it wasn't, you know, if he had joined with Brian Danielson instead of turning on him. Right. Like mm-hmm. this, this could be, yeah, his I'm a pro wrestler uh, and not a sports entertainer. That would be great. What a like, spot for him. He, and he deserves it too. I, you saying that I, I would love if Garcia got a spot. Um, mm-hmm. here because he has crushed it uh, like with the whole sports entertainer thing like the match between him and shibata and how he was able to like you know there's just trading shots and then he does his little dance like yeah. as he's sitting down he does the little dance and you're like this is this is fucking incredible like i love that match it is on my list of like match of the years that's how much i was into it and like daniel garcia from when he first stepped foot in an AEW ring and we knew what he was capable of, an incredible in-ring wrestler, you know, the next generation, the guy who's going to win the Brian Danielson Award for years and years to come, you know, out of this, to see what he's been able to do to develop himself as a sports entertainer, to add that other level to himself, to stand out above some of the other guys who haven't had that chance yet. Like, he's done a great job. I will say, if him joining the Blackpool, uh, Blackpool Combat Club means that he's getting rid of the dance then i take back everything that i say i do not want him to join that group he needs yeah. to keep the dance yes 100 keep the dance it's fine it's you can be a pro wrestler and still dance like that but please keep the dance even coming out of this like i hope that 
after all in all out we do see a little bit of um you know you you see more bleeding of talents you know maybe you see more bullet club gold on dynamite but then you know you see well imagine daniel garcia on collision and him getting like a 15 minute segment to have you know a match like the jay white dalton castle one from this week where it's just like all right daniel garcia here you go like here's your 15 minutes yeah totally with you yeah, like I, I want to see, you know, like give me more like Blackpool Combat Club and Bullet Club Gold. I want to see that dynamic take shape, you know, mm-hmm. because it's two factions that haven't interacted at all, really. So, I mean, why not? You know, let's see what they can do. It's something different. And yes. I hope we get that coming out of this weekend or these and, next two weekends. And don't forget Kenny Omega in his promo on Dynamite a couple of weeks ago when they announced that they had resigned. He said, you'll be seeing me or us. I forget exactly what he said on collision more so kenny omega has promised us that he's going to be on collision so kenny that would be that would be sweet i'm I just give me big match kenny omega in like a 30 minute main event which they, yeah. they do every week on collision which is another thing i love about that show is like mm-hmm. i can sit back in my recliner and crack open a beer and i'm like i'm gonna get a 25 minute pro wrestling match that i that is going to be paced well and that i'm going to follow the story of like they did with christian and darby this week and it's usually been punk in that spot or the the tag match between mjf and ftr it's like anyway kenny you promised that but I, like you say I, I would like to see a, a sprinkling in of some maybe some other yeah. guys that could really benefit from having you know a chance to get you know dynamite such a frenetic pace and they do so many angles and and i love the show but mm-hmm. I think there's some guys that as it's already benefited guys like Ricky Starks and the bullet club and powerhouse Hobbs and all these guys that are getting FTR, even FTR wasn't really doing much this year. And, and they've kind of put themselves back in the tag team of the year discussion because they've had so many opportunities to have these matches on mm-hmm. collision, but like there's obviously a, a countless, you know, AEW talents that would really benefit from getting that kind of focus spotlight on collision. So I would like to see a little bit more integration too. I think that's um, a creative way to go. I would love to see TSN just have it as an a actual program on TV because I'm not going to pay $8 a month for TSN plus. So nope, nor will I instead I will uh, be a pirate out on the seas <laughs> uh, doing what I have to do to see it for free. That's the only way I do it now. So um CM Punk Samoa Joe. I mean, the I because of TSN not showing collision, I've been, you know, a little out of the loop the past couple of weeks, unfortunately. But this is still a matchup between two guys that I mean the fine was it you know, I was thinking of the finals of the Owen, but it wasn't Samoa Joe and CM Punk, but they did have a match on collision. Yeah, it was it, it was in the tournament, it was the semifinals. Yes, yes. Yeah. So I mean, like you kind of got your whistle wet a little bit with that one, but I feel like this is the one where they're really gonna deliver that classic we were all expecting mm-hmm. when they first announced that they were gonna face off. And I mean, by no means do I think we see Samoa Joe beat him here. I think that you have to have CM Punk win just to continue this on. But I would love for Punk to win by, you know, some, you know, shady shenanigans maybe, you know, to continue that heel, full heel turn. I agree. This is another one like FTR in the Bucks where, like, this just sells itself. Joe, Punk, Wembley Stadium, two of the biggest stars that they have. This is is a match I want to see. And 
Um, this is this is one though where if you're nitpicking the storytelling or the build ahead of time, it would have made more sense if Punk had lost to Samojo instead of beating him because then yeah. part of the draw of this match is that P- uh, Joe has remained undefeated after all these years against Punk, and then Wembley mm-hmm. is when he gets his win back. But you also would have then missed out on the two or three weeks of you know you know, extra shine that Ricky Starks got from getting to face punk in the finals. So yeah. I think the trade-off that actually works to their benefit of the rub that it's given to Ricky Starks, but Joe cut a promo. Well, he's actually cut a couple now, but anyway, the end to the first Joe punk match on collision anyway, not the first match they've had, but the one that they had a couple weeks ago was punk one with a roll up. And you could tell by Joe's reaction afterwards that this was something that was going to continue on at some point, maybe not necessarily Wembley. I thought maybe they were going to go punk Starks at Wembley. And, um, but there was a couple of different possibilities and Joe came out a couple of weeks after and just said, like, if you think that beating me with a roll up after I've beaten you, however many times I have in our history is going to be good enough. Well, fuck you. I'm going to choke you out at Wembley is essentially mm-hmm. what he said. And I was like, and I heard that promo. I'm like, let's fucking go. I'm back in. Like, let's have this match. He's cut a couple of heated promos. Um, This past week was the first time that punk, he, he was dressed up as, I forget what the name of the character was, but golden vampire, there we go. The golden vampire and gave the GTS and whatever. And then said, you know, I accept bitch or whatever. And that was the first time that punk has really put in some, put some heat on, on this feud with Joe, which I think was needed. Hopefully maybe there's a, a, another chance for punk to maybe cut another promo here but there's obviously a, a ton of backstory one criticism i, I would say of and, and i've loved collision i've loved loved everything that punk has done but it, in collision so far but it still feels like he's kind of and, and this connects back with the mjf story that we're hoping that they get to if you remember back to punk's first run in AEW, there was this kind of honeymoon period where you know he had the match with darby which was incredible mm-hmm. but there wasn't like heat between the two there and then he had these kind of follow-up matches. He had Paros Haas match on Rampage. He did like the Matt Seidel match on the Rampage that was like head-to-head with SmackDown. And he was just kind of like, it was like, Punk is back. This is awesome. He's having these matches. It's great to see him. I'm still kind of in that honeymoon phase with him as I'm watching Collision. I'm just happy he's back and that I'm yeah. getting to see this, this great stuff that he's doing. But if you remember back his first run, it was that feud with Eddie Kingston, which was only a couple of weeks of build before Full Gear where you had that back and forth promos between those two guys and there was heat there and it was intense and punk still hasn't turned that other than when he's been promoting stuff with MJF with the real world's champion, he hasn't put like super heat on like his stuff with rookie Starks or with Samoa Joe yet. And that's why to me, what I think we're really going to see, and it gets back to what we were talking about before is when we get punk and MJF, that's when it's going to be like it's fucking on now for punk and that's where we're going to see and that's why i wanted to turn heel too because we're just going to see cm punk at his best cutting these promos with heat against against mjf a program that he definitely wants to have and that's when we're going to see the the peak of punk's second run here but again i'm I'm super looking forward to this match Mm -hmm. i it's absolutely you know satisfying to me as a viewer but i i have seen some people say like it just it some of the weirdness of it i think part of that weirdness is it is just that punk hasn't totally turned it on yet in terms of fully investing in the story and that the best of punk so far has been the promos like his first promo back which i thought was an all-timer 
but that was about what do I have in the bag and me make, taking these shots at the young bucks. And, um, but I think we're going to see the best of punk when we get this punk MJF story. And that's, I'm really, and again, whether that happens all out or later on, that's, I think when we're going to see the best of the second run of P CM punk, when he can really sink his teeth into something that, uh, I think is going to be creatively fulfilling to him and that there's, there's heat too of like these two biggest stars that the company has arguably a chance for him to really take it to the next level. That's kind of been missing in some of his feuds, you know, it's still delivering, but it's something missing. And here's the opportunity to get back to that. And I do think we see that coming out of all in heading towards all out. Um, last but not least, we have of announced matches. We have Chris Jericho against Will Ospreay. Now, I know there are people who do not like Will Ospreay, and that is fine. I think I it is not him... fine. Those people are stupid. Well, why? I... Why would you not like Will Ospreay? Come on, because yeah, you don't like you don't like Will Ospreay. I love Will Ospreay. Oh, okay. Oh, I thought I. Oh, did. okay. No, no, I'm very. A lot of wrestlers have you know their, you know whatever. Some people won't like because he his personality on Twitter. Some might not like his move set. Whatever it might be. When I'm watching a match and Will Ospreay's in it, I know I'm going to get an incredible match because he is someone who it doesn't matter if he's a junior, a heavyweight, he delivers every time. Now, you were getting a match that was rumored to be at Wrestle Kingdom, I think in 2021, if I'm not mistaken. You're getting that now at All In on one of the biggest stages of for wrestling ever. This match is going to blow minds. Chris Jericho always steps up to the plate whenever he's facing off with someone who's on the up and up. So somebody like a Will Ospreay. So he's going to go in there and he's going to deliver a stand or like above, you know, a top tier Chris Jericho performance. You couple that with Will Ospreay and this has potential to be a fucking match of the night. Oh, absolutely. I I'm with you. This is, for Will Ospreay catches heat because of the Dave Mel like Del Dave Meltzer gives him five stars plus on every match. He's the but the it's because he he's the best big match wrestler in the world right now, mm -hmm. and he does it consistently. And that this is a dream match to me. And I know we're both big Jericho fans, but for those people that are like in their mind had it that this should be a more forbidden door type show. You're you're getting it here. This this is a huge one-on-one -on -one match. I know I had said earlier that I thought maybe the tag match would be the match of the night, but this is the this is the other I think would be the major candidate for that. Of like there's there's no way in my head that this is going to be disappointing. Will Ospreay is the best in-ring wrestler in the world. Uh -huh. And the story of Chris Jericho, this legend who I love, I've loved since I was a kid as as a fan, uh, of like and having him, can you keep up? with the best wrestler of the world in his home country in front of 80,000 people. And you have all this other backstory of Don Callis and Jericho being tight that they've been feeding into. We had Don Callis openly recruiting Will Ospreay during the forbidden door build. So mm -hmm. the idea that this is like, it's not, it hasn't been week to week build of this, but there is long-term and short-term build to this match. And then there's just the idea of on paper that these, these are two of the best ever. This is I I love that this is on the show. I can't I know I know some people are just kind of sick of Chris Jericho or whatever. Um, those people are dumb. Uh, yes. But like this this is a this is a dream match. This is an absolute slam dunk dream match. 
maybe the match I'm most looking forward to. I can't wait. It's going to be incredible. Like, just look at the year Osprey has had so far. And we're, we'll just talk about against people in AEW. He had the two bangers against Kenny Omega. He has had a couple trios matches where he's teamed up with Aussie Open that everyone raved about coming out of on like Rampage. I think it was against the best friends and Rocky Romero. And everyone just had incredible things to say. Like, he's someone who you get a small sample size on AEW TV, but he's going to deliver every time. He's coming off of an incredible G1. The match with Naito was amazing. Like, this is, like, I'm trying not to, like, get too over the top about it, but this is going to be an Osprey's backyard. 80,000 fans in Wembley. He is going to come across as such a fucking rock star. Yeah. It is going to be unbelievable. You couple that against him facing off with a legend like Chris Jericho, and this has all of the makings to be one of the most memorable matches in AEW history. I agree. You said it. I, I, I can't I can't say it better than than you just did. You've encapsulated my excitement for this. And but I will add, I think Will Ospreay is probably going to sign with AEW at the end of this year. I think the money will just be there. This is like what a selling point as a pitch. If you're Tony Khan and you're looking at Will Ospreay, who I think maybe his contract expires after Wrestle Kingdom or whenever it is, it's coming up. And the piles of money that you have that you can throw at this guy. What a what a pitch that you've been able to bring this guy into a couple of different Forbidden Door builds and, and shows. And now it's like, hey. This is this is what AEW can be like. Is here's this big match against Chris Jericho. So um, I just think, barring injuries, and he certainly wrestles a reckless style. But we're talking about a guy that, um, if he signs with AEW long term, and I, I think that there's I think there's a good possibility. But you've you've given him this huge sales pitch on your company by putting mm-hmm. him in a spot that there's probably 20 other guys on the roster that would kill for. Um, and here it is. And I, yeah, I, what else is there to say? We've prayed that praised this enough, but this is, yeah. uh, this is maybe the match I'm most looking forward to. And I think it's going to deliver big time. And if it doesn't, my guess would be that it's maybe Jericho trying to do a little bit too much and, yeah. and maybe trying to wrestle like he's 30 instead of 50 or whatever. But I think he's smart enough to know. And we just saw with Osprey and Naito of like Naito's like, kind of in Jericho's spot too, at least in terms of guy that's certainly on, you know, towards the tail end of his career at this point mm-hmm. and who's no longer at his athletic peak. And we saw Will Ospreay have arguably the match of the year against a guy like that um, yeah. in the, the G1 semifinal. So like this is going to deliver. I, I'm confident of it, but if it doesn't, I, I think maybe that would be the reason why. Mm-hmm. It's funny because I mean, we're, we're wrapping up the talk about all in and, uh, you kind of like look at this, you realize all outs a week afterwards and the roster of AEW is big enough that they could run two pay-per-views and not have the same guy on each show and they would still be they could top of the line events. So yeah. that's it's nuts to think about. Their, their roster is so deep. I do feel bad for like the people that aren't going to make this show. I'm kind of hoping they might do some kind of battle royal on the pre-show. Just you, you would feel for a talent that doesn't get a chance to walk out in front of 80,000 people yeah. in Wembley Stadium because there are some guys that, like, I, I think AEW would be stupid not to run Wembley again, whether it's next year or the year after, just because clearly, you know, you don't get a chance to sell tens of thousands of tickets, you know, with every show. 
but there's going to be some people that don't get that chance again, and hopefully they can. But like you say, their roster is so deep that there are going to be people that are kept off this show. Mm-hmm. It is deep enough that they could just have a separate roster for all out. We know that won't be the case because Darby Allen's already booked for both. But you're right that the depth of this uh, roster is is such that they could they could absolutely <laughs> book it with just like, oh, you already worked all in. Okay, well let's Take the let's work off. with the other. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, now for those listening, if they're not already following you on social media, where can they find you? If you have anything to plug, maybe another refereeing gig, I don't know, but here's your chance. <laughs> no, my, I've, I've refereed at two shows and I will not, uh, do it again unless I'm doing it as a favor for somebody, but yeah, just J at Jay's retro on Twitter. I usually have my, uh, account, uh, on private, but I will unlock it so that I can promote this uh, particular episode. So if you're listening to this, and for some reason, you listen to this and say, that would be a guy that I would want to follow on Twitter. You're making a big mistake. But if you still <laughs> want to, then my my account will, I'll keep it public for a few days after this so that people can follow me if, if, if they want to. But that's it, at Jay's Retro on Twitter. Um, and as always, Blair, it's so nice to talk to you about AEW and uh, our our beliefs about what this company is and what it's brought to wrestling are very much in sync and I'm so much looking forward to the show. But last thing I will say though, uh, mm-hmm. because I, I, my wife, the few times that I've been on the show has listened to these episodes, despite the fact that she doesn't really have any interest in wrestling, but she thinks it's funny that I've been on these shows. So she'll listen, but I will just say, I cannot watch all in live on Sunday afternoon because it is my daughter's first birthday. And months ago when my wife said, Hey, what, uh, what, date should we do her birthday party on i said i don't care when we do it i just don't want it on august 27th in the afternoon because there's going to be a wrestling show on that i really want to be able to watch live and she said okay and then uh, a couple weeks later she said hey okay we're going to do the birthday party in the afternoon from 11 to 1 uh or 11 to 2 on august 27th so anyway, I can't watch it live. I will watch it Sunday night. I'll have to stay off the timeline all afternoon, which will That's be, be tough, terrible and tough. <laughs> but I will watch it Sunday night. I just can't watch it live. I did tell my wife, Kelsey, that uh, I was going to make fun of her uh, for doing this to me on this episode. So I had to get it in there. There you go. Um, I look forward to discussing the events afterwards, and it is going to be a hell of a card. So, Jays, thank you so much for joining me. It was a pleasure. Thank you to Jay. Thank you for checking out the podcast. I say it every time. I will always say it. I truly appreciate you taking time out of your time out of your day to listen to me talk about wrestling. If it's your first time listening, you can find me up on Twitter at GreyMakerPod, up on all social media, uh, GreyMaker Wrestling Podcast. I'm moving my hat around too much on video, so I'm going to put it backwards again. Uh, email GreyMakerPodcast at gmail.com, up on all podcast streaming platforms, and you can find me every Saturday up on Love Wrestling, doing four exposure with my good friend Pluggo as we take a look at the world of independent wrestling. Check that out. Check out some of the other incredible shows up on Love Wrestling, some incredible content up on there. Thanks again for checking out the podcast. We'll talk soon.